Here we go. Roll video. I think anybody creating something new must have an adventure. It's not cinema, it's something else. My advice to a young filmmaker is to make a movie every week. The whole bag of movies can be learned in about a day and a half. But suspense is essentially an emotional process. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make films, you gotta make it and get a scene. Cinema for me is a world of when I dream. Welcome to Behind the Slate, everybody. I am your host, Aaron Strand. Just kidding. My name is Shib Agrawal, and I just happen to be Aaron's number one fan and his wife. I'm going to be your special guest host tonight for the very last episode in the Withdrawal series. Aaron, how does it feel to be on the other side? It feels weird. Uh, it feels weird to hear the intro read back to me. Uh, no, it feels good. It feels good. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still resting and recovering from getting off of a set. Um, but there's also a bunch of exciting stuff coming up for Behind the Slate. In a week, I will actually be doing a live event here in Atlanta, Georgia at the Plaza Theater. Uh, I will be hosting a live podcast around a screening of Akira Kurosawa's High and Low, one of the great masterpieces of Japanese cinema. Um, and so Sunday, November 26, if you are in Atlanta, Georgia at 6 p.m., come down to the Plaza Theater. Uh, I would love to see you there. It's going to be a great event. Uh, it'll be some, a little live podcast. We'll watch the movie. We'll have a little Q&A afterwards. It's going to be awesome. So come down and check it out. And I know you guys don't know me, but if you know anything about me, I'm not a foreign film person, but Aaron showed me high and low and I actually really, really loved it. So even if you're not a foreign film person, you might actually really love this movie. But anyways, back to the podcast. So last week, Aaron and his amazing team of collaborators just concluded Principal Photography, which is film speak, I guess, for the last portion of the shoot um, for withdrawal. It was 10 days and joining us to break it all down are two fabulous artists who were there every step along the way. Jonathan Walls is a filmmaker and producer based in Atlanta, Georgia, who served as lead producer on Withdrawal, and Scout Smith is an actress and comedian who runs her own production company, Get Your Cat On Productions, who served as AD, or assistant director, on Withdrawal. How are y'all today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing incredible. You're doing incredible also. I'm loving this energy <laughs> for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really trying to channel all of the Aaron vibes, but you know, he's a, he's a professional and I'm definitely an amateur. No, you're, you're literally killing. <laughs> well, I want to start by asking a very um, agrawal question, which is, it's been a week since filming wrapped on the film. When you close your eyes and think back to the shoot, what is the first image that comes to your mind? how messy the house was that we filmed in <laughs> that gave me nightmares. And of course there's memories sprinkled in, but the memories are on top of the piles and piles of trash that we had to keep as hot set deck. I mean, it was just crazy. And now I'm sitting here in my very like put together home and I'm just like, wow, that was a movie and this is my life and I need it clean. <laughs> Fun fact, that is the house that Aaron and I lived in uh, all throughout my medical school time. And so Aaron was very careful about not showing me the house until after the movie was over because he knew I would have like a panic attack if I like <laughs> that space that messy. What about you, Jonathan? Honestly, I think the first thing that comes to mind is 
The second shoot, we did a couple of overnights and we, we pushed some 12 hour shoots, which meant a second hot meal for everybody, which meant I would sneak away halfway through the shoot and prepare some fresh biscuits and sausages and vegan sausage patties. So I see a big fat steaming pile of sausage, mostly <laughs> leftover because not everybody finished it. Um, but yeah, probably just trying to make sure everybody was staying fed and staying healthy and happy throughout those long cold nights. Well, before we get to Aaron, I actually, you know, I'm here for all the non-film people that are fans of the show. So maybe Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit about what it meant to be a producer on this project and then scout, what did it mean to be an assistant director? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've definitely had to answer this question a lot throughout this whole process of working with Aaron and, you know, being a producer. And I've come with like a couple of different metaphors and a couple of different ways of explaining it in like non-film speaker, whatever. Um, I think in general, I like to say, you know, Aaron's, you know, the owner of the, of the company, you know, every film is its own LLC or its own incorporated, you know, business or whatever. So Aaron's the owner, he's, you know, running this ship and I'm kind of the manager. I'm making sure that everything's, you know, inspected the way it needs to be, that we're hiring the right people, that the right things are happening so that we can open up shop for Aaron and all the other artists to play and make this incredible film. Uh, or if you're into uh, sports, the other analogy I like to use is Aaron's Kirby smart and I'm the guy who holds his belt so he doesn't jump on the field and uh, get a penalty for everybody. <laughs> what a sports metaphor. Wow, wow. That is the greatest metaphor that's ever been uh, applied to me ever, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Way to Aaron's heart is to compare him to Kirby. Oh, yeah. That's what I've learned. What about you, Scout? Gosh, I mean, so this was my first feature that I've ever assistant directed. I've just been dipping my little toes in assistant directing. So it was definitely like a big experience for me to also kind of discover like the ins and outs of the role. But like the main thing is like I was just the little keeper of time and you can go about it however you want. I think every AD has like their own personal style, not to brag, but like a lot of the crew members on set who have been on many sets said that I was one of the nicest ADs and the funniest. So I just think that goes to show like <laughs> I like to sprinkle a little bit of comedy as I'm yelling at people to stay on track, um, which I love. So yeah, I mean, you're really just like making sure that when everyone can get swooped up with the creativeness of it all, which I'm also like on the creative sides of things. So I have like a lot of love for that. You're like the man who's coming in, excuse me, the woman uh, who's coming in, pardon me. Um, and just being like, love your big dreams, but like, let's be logical about it all, which I love. Cause I'm definitely like a dual brain person of like creative, but also logical. So I'm a Capricorn. So. <laughs> Well, Scout, I like, I don't know if anyone has shared this with you, but when you had to step away from set, like everybody was just talking about how much they miss Scout and how it wasn't a real rap without Scout and that we just need more Scout in our lives. Oh my God. I cried a lot. I won't lie, but I'm glad I'm proud of everyone. So, you know, it's not about me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Aaron, I want uh, to give you a chance to tell us. You close your eyes. What's the image? Oh God. Um, I I think I actually think it's uh it's uh, I'll just take Jonathan's image, but I'll kind of like get a little bit more specific because after maybe our most stressful day on set, 
which involved a, a work stoppage with a COVID exposure, a entire overnight uh, uh, shoot that was mostly shot. It was almost entirely shot in candlelight with live candles in our tiny house filled with trash. That was a huge fire hazard. It also involved like a knife fight and like a lot of other like safety elements, uh, intimacy elements all going on. And at uh, 6 a.m. when Jonathan showed up with his biscuits and sausage and, and, and everyone was just in a state of delirium and someone started playing music. And I have a little video of everyone there like in their coats because the heater was off for sound purposes. So we're all freezing cold in this disgusting house. Uh, and I was definitely like the most stressed out I've, I've been. But seeing everyone dance to the music as they ate their biscuits it was uh you know that was like really like the best of times the worst of times like right at that moment i can't even imagine i will tell you that weekend or like a lot of the time i would get these update calls from aaron and like every night it was like it was a really hard day we're gonna do it again tomorrow (laughs) when you guys take a second and like you think about reflecting on this like entire process but especially those last 10 days like how do you digest it? Like it's been a week. Like what, how do you share the story of what happened to, with other people? The days really like fly by. Like I know whenever I get back from like a big shoot and this is like the biggest one I've ever done, I definitely go through like a little state of like, like sadness. Like I'm, it's hard for me to readjust because you kind of adjust to this like schedule and this flow with these people. So like unpacking it is kind of hard because you're just like, I mean, I was just like very, very sad. And maybe it's because I didn't get that closure because I didn't get to like wrap it out with everyone. But I was definitely in like a very weird state for like a couple days and, you know, trying to fill my girlfriend who I live with like in on like moments and stuff. But it, it's all kind of a blur because it's you're in just like your total bubble. And I think like when you when we finally like rewatch this, I think a lot of like the stories will come up and be like, oh my gosh, that shot was this moment in this moment. But I think it's still like so inward for me. I'm like sad and that it's over and it's like hard to even begin because the days are so long and it's filled with so much like crazy, like unhinged laughter and silliness and tiredness that it's like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how I would like explain any of this. You know? Yeah, well, I totally agree, Scout. I mean, and like, even with even with a, a semblance of closure and like, you know, getting to that like rap moment, which if you guys can't tell, you know, Scout did have to leave early, um, and, and which will which will we can get into. But um, even with that, like the the sadness is so real. I mean, it's like it is a very intense, um, emotional, but also just like interpersonal experience uh, doing something like this with a group of people. And whether it's a positive experience or even a negative experience, like it's also uh, an experience of just kind of high intensity and it's addictive. I mean, that's why, I mean, film people kind of are, you know, are are a little, they have junky tendencies about their work. Um, And there is always a crash at the other end. And I've certainly been going through it. I actually thought that I had escaped it this time for some God knows God. I don't know why I thought I escaped it, but I was initially getting home. I just felt relief for the first few days because I was just so stressed. Um, I I thought the whole thing was going to fall apart like every day. And so at first I just got relief from the stress, but by day three, I was like, 
I hit that wall and all of a sudden it was like the depression sit in the, like the, the missing everybody, the, for me it's, and I've have this with most art projects that I do, but the fear that like, um, this will be the last chance I ever get to do this, like starts to seep into Mm -hmm. my brain. Um, and that narrative like spins around for a little while. So yeah, it's like a whole kind of like mourning process to like come out of it and come back to some kind of stasis. Yeah. I think for me, I kind of agree with, both of y'all statements a bit it definitely was a blur and i think in in a way even once we were done it still felt like a blur like it took me two or three days after we were done to be like wait we are done i was like checking my phone and not getting like call sheet notifications and people asking me about what location to be at and i was like oh wait like we we got through you know the job's not done the movie isn't finished but as far as like you said shiv the principal photography like we made it through that portion like that's a huge accomplishment and i think I, I had to take a moment to recognize that we did that um and then to really embrace the the pride i took in getting to that point and seeing this team get to this point and seeing you know aaron and scout and all their work getting us to this point to get past um all the principal photography and you know we have shot a film so i think for me it was such a blur that i was almost trapped in it for a minute it feels like a vortex when you're in these film shoots you know one day kind of bleeds into the other especially when you're shooting scenes kind of out of order. So you're seeing, mm. you know, actors in one costume and they're in another costume. And then the next day they look the way they were two days ago and you kind of lose track of your spatial and temporal awareness and everything just kind of bleeds together. Um, so I think it took me a moment to really just breathe and say like, whoa, we did this. And then say it again with a little bit more pride and with a smile on my face. Like, yeah, we did this. <laughs> That's so wild. I think like, It's interesting to kind of hear um, this perspective, especially since the shoot was broken into these two different periods. For those who don't know, there was kind of a unique approach in scheduling this shoot where they've shot for five days in August and then took a two month break before coming back to finish the film in October. I was concerned. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what if somebody quits? What if like one of your stars gets sick? Like you can't, you can't make the movie anymore because like someone's gone. Can't just switch out the actors. And so I was a little concerned. I kept it to myself, obviously, because I'm a good wife, but I was a little (laughs) concerned. So, (laughs) but Aaron, tell us a little bit about why you decided to take this approach. And I would love to hear from Jonathan and Scout too. Like, when Aaron said he wanted to do this, like, what was your first thought and how did he convince you? But we can start with Aaron. Yeah, well, uh, I wanted to do this mostly because I, I I mean, I mean, I, Jonathan maybe can correct me uh, on sort of the <laughs> what the fuck I was thinking, uh, because he, he was there kind of through every step of the way. I, I believe my intentions were simply just I wanted to take advantage of an actual like time shift uh, because because we were shooting this like primary storyline and then had these flashback elements and i wanted to take advantage of having an actual time shift in terms of seasons uh that we we're shooting um and it would ha- i thought that would be a way like kind of a free way we could add extra value to the film like taking the time to do that would add production value uh, i also thought it would be an opportunity to do some sort of appearance change for the actors um and they would actually like look different and we could see sort of like how they've changed over time and um you know and then once that decision was made from artistic reasons you know then i remember the conversations between jonathan and i about you know what the advantages of this might be um 
you know, in terms of like, okay, we have five days to sort of get our legs under us that we know sort of like, is this the crew that we want to like go forward with how we will have opportunities to change and adjust and sort of like get better because we had never done this before uh, a project of this scale. And so instead of trying to pack it all into like 14 straight days, um, this break would provide us time to sort of reassess, learn, identify strengths and weaknesses and try to proceed from there. So I think that was kind of uh, the intention behind it. Uh, but I will say that if uh, Shub, if you didn't tell me that, I had so many people coming up to me and being like, dude, this is a terrible idea. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, stop. And like, every time they said, I was like, I, I thought I, I, I get like weirdly, I'm like not superstitious in my life. But in when making a film, I get really superstitious. So the more people said it, the more I got like, weirded out um by the thought of like some disaster befalling us and like this choice blowing up in my face so yeah is that jonathan is that is that right do, do, am i remembering this correct for the most part as far as i can remember all the way back to our first ever meeting on this project which was like the beginning of february of this year so almost nine ten months ago at this point i remember you kind of just sat me down and after we kind of got to know each other and kind of established like why we were even meeting in the first place um you know when you pitched me the story and i was like okay like yeah that's that's great I, I love the story but then you broke down the i guess artistic integrity behind it of you know we want to show a large juxtaposition of time and you know these are you know junky addict characters so to show this kind of descent into into addiction and straight from the gun aaron knew that he wanted to have um, two very different visual formats. He wanted cinema camera and he wanted some sort of, you know, camcorder, HD tape, something in that realm. And then I think as part of that, he always said that with that shift, he wanted the seasons to shift as well, that the tides were turning in these characters' lives. Um, and so I think from day one, he just said, like, it's crazy, it's risky, but like, I want to shoot half of it in like the early fall and half of it in the late fall. And I said, like, okay, that's risky. I think in my mind, I was honestly thinking, oh, that's nice. We can take a break. It won't be like 18 straight days of exhausting shooting. So I think originally that kind of sold me. Um, but yeah, as we worked through it, I mean, there was definitely um, some pros to this kind of style, taking a break and some, you know, big cons that came up along the way. I think... Um, Oh, we will talk about the cons. I can definitely <laughs> attest to uh, getting calls at three in the afternoon on a Tuesday of Aaron saying, what if one of the actors drops out? What if what if one of the camera operators drops out? And I'm like, I don't think they'll do that. I think it's a job. I think they really enjoy this. I think they want to get paid. I think they love the artistic freedom that they're having. Um, but to his credit, those were, you know, very real possibilities. You know, a lot of times when you're in this industry, if a better opportunity comes up, you know, and you're not super tightly bound into a contract or tightly bound into a project and you have free time on your hands, you might opt out and go take the better opportunity. So there was definitely an element of that, but I think something that also kind of played to our favor as unfortunate as it was, but as indie filmmakers, the strikes happening, there wasn't a lot of other work coming up to kind of take people off of our hands for a while. So I think a lot of people were just excited to one, be working and two, be working with a great group of people on a, important project but also on a very artistically freeing and risky project so i think the risks were definitely outweighed by the 
inherent artistry of taking this break. Um, as odd as it sounds, being unconventional and unorthodox, um, you know, it definitely was risky and we had to pay for some of those risks. But for the most part, I think it paid off in spades. And I think what we captured um, with the changing of the seasons and letting these actors live with these characters for a little bit longer, it really paid off in the material that we captured last week. I think the break too, like helped the crew be a lot stronger. Like I definitely like took from what happened at the first block of shooting and was like, okay, how can I set myself up for better success on the second half? And so it was really nice to have that break. I mean, of course, I don't think about all the other like risks of like other jobs and whatnot, but the positive was being able to like kind of take a breather and say, okay, because I, when I got hired to be the AD, like I was at the beach, (laughs) they asked, I asked for an interview, like super randomly. So I was like sitting in bed in like one of the rooms, like with, you know, shell paintings behind me, (laughs) um, interviewing for the job. And like the huge thing I talked about was like, I want this opportunity because I want to learn more about ADing. I feel prepared enough from like what I've done on like short films and sketches and whatnot ADing, but this is like such a huge undertaking. So like to be on set like 14 straight days in a row, I I think it would have been a totally different project because Mm -hmm. I think all of us like needed that break, needed to kind of like come back to our homes and recoup and whatever. And, you know, again, like I just learned so much that I think made me like a stronger AD when I came back the second time. Um, and I would say like the, the blocks were so different too. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy it worked out the way it did. Um, I, I don't know if I, uh, 14 straight days through, I just think I maybe would have like crashed and burned or something because I was so new at it. And I needed that time to be like, okay, what tools can I use for this next go around? And you know. That's so interesting. I'm going to tell you my outsider's perspective on like the difference between the two shoots. And I want to hear like from y'all, like what that in-between period really meant to you guys. And like a little bit more about how you prepared because the first shoot, like everybody was like all in, like lots of meetings all the time, came ready. Everything was sketched out, like lots of location times, like a week in Athens beforehand. It was like a whole like vibe and then everything went off so well like it was like preparation paid off or as Kirby likes to say better never rest which is one of his favorite sayings but it was just like you could really see how the preparation paid off and then there was this like two month period where like everything had gone really well before And I think like Scout, like you already spoke to, like, I got more prepared. I wanted to see what I could really do. But I wonder, like, was there a little bit of complacency that like crept in? Was it like, it's gone so well before we don't need to prepare as much before? Like, how did you fight that off? And like, how did you stay invested during that break time? I know Aaron was nervous about this, which of course, like as the director, is this being his like passion projects, like you want to make sure that like no one is being complacent. But when he talked to me about that, I was like, that's scary because yeah, like I know, like I was like, let's have meetings. Like I told everyone, I was like, check in with me. Every time you're having a meeting with someone, I want like a little bit of like a recap. So I know that these things are being handled. 
But I think like what you realize like on that first block is like everyone got to know each other. So then there's like that blanket um, trust that you've built versus like these people that you've hired, but you don't really know them. Everyone's now bonded over the first block. Everyone's got a feel for like work ethic, communication, all that stuff, which like you just don't even know when you don't know people the first go around. So you almost have to be more like watching over everything. I think for me as like, and it's different for every position, but like for me as an AD, I had a lot of trust that each department was having meetings and having conversations about what needed to be done. Um, And for me as an AD, like I think my biggest thing was like from the first block, I learned a lot about like how to communicate with, uh, how to communicate with these people on set. Cause you can have like your rule of thumb way, but you won't know until you're actually on set dealing with people that have worked on a million different sets. And so that was like nice to like debrief at home and then come back knowing, okay, like I know when I ask Jeannie for a time check, they say five minutes or when they say 10, like I can give them five and they can probably make it happen. So like, there's just like a, a more trust I think it was a testament to how much everyone really bonded. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy because it's like, I'm a doctor, not an artist. And like, there's still so many principles that kind of cross over, especially around team building. And I think what I've learned from watching this process is that making a film is a giant group project. And like, Mm -hmm. most people in school hate group projects, but people in films, like, they figure it out, they make it work. And it's this like incredible collaborative giant effort and it's such a a beautiful thing um it's been really cool to witness i also would say like from the outside it seems like like the second shoot was full of like many more challenges and many more obstacles that you guys because of that teamwork were able to overcome more easily so what are some of the challenges that you guys face as a production what went wrong spill the tea we're ready Uh, I would definitely say the first problem really happened about a week before production. It was actually a day that Jonathan and I, along with Anastasia Brady, our hair and makeup slash um, uh, scenic designer, uh, were at the house filling it full of garbage and painting the walls and like just turning it into a crazy junkie hovel. And our beloved like swing do everything PA slash actor Leanne Peppers uh, showed up to help. And Leanne um, is someone that I've known for a really, really long time. And, um, but we've never been like particularly close. And she came on to this film having never worked on a film before, but she's just one of these like super artistic, super cool people kind of willing to do, uh, you know, anything. And she jumped in and I think like, honestly, like everyone just like really fell in love with her in during that first block. Like she was the type of person. And I think it's like really critical to have these people on a film set, but she was one of these people who was like learning on the job, but also like clearly like having an experience, you know, like a positive experience and like other people feed off that. And then all of, all of a sudden other people like want to teach her things or like want to tell these people things, you know, it's like in the same way that like Shub, I think about the fact that like teaching hospitals have better outcomes than non-teaching hospitals and having that like 
teaching element or people that are learning on the job like actually ups everybody's game and anyway i just felt like leanne would just became this sort of like this focal point of just like positivity and like leveling up your game and just kind of like she just jumped into the work with such gusto and abandon and i and like we got to become like real friends over that process anyway all that to say five days before we go into shoot um this next uh, the, the, this final portion of the film, she breaks her ankle. Um, and, and it was just like in, in a total like freak accident, like she, no one would have ever thought that she had broken her ankle at the time. But I get a text the next morning, like, Hey, I'm at urgent care. Hey, I'm getting x-rays. Hey, so I fractured my ankle. I can't walk for six weeks. I'm in a boot. And like, I, I need to get like a wheelie cart to like move around my house. And it was just like, Oh my God. And at that moment, I remember, I, I think I even called Jonathan and I was like, I was like the, like the bad juju's coming. Like it's, it's, it's like, we like there can't be any more injuries. There can't be any, any other things that go wrong. Um, uh, but yeah, it was just like really sad to lose Leanne. And um, yeah, I would say that first injury about five days out was one of the first like major challenges that we faced. Who would like to go next? I'm trying to remember what happened next. <laughs> I would say another big thing that happened was Millie with her like face burn. Because yeah. her character, mm-hmm. Millie plays the role of Viv and our leading lady. And she had to dye her hair black for the second half of the shoot. And I remember just getting a call and she's like, can you look at this video that I just sent you? Like, I think my face is like burning from the, from the hair dye or whatever. And I get this video on my phone and like from like forehead to like sideburn, she just has like all this redness and like all these mm-hmm. bumps and like basically like the black hair dye um, that like when you get your hair dyed, I'm, you know, you get some of it kind of like on your face. And then I guess like bleach was used to like wipe off it off of her skin. And so she was having a reaction to that. So she had like gotten home from, this was probably like what, the second so, day? So, so she she, was the she sent day. the video at the end of day one. We're sort of like, right, like yeah, day one, mm. like oh, yeah. we did it. And I just remember you coming over to me and you were like, you're like, Aaron, I don't want you to freak out or anything. Um, I don't want you to be upset. Um, but I think Millie's face is burning off. <laughs> <laughs> I think Millie's like literally going to the hospital. She's losing skin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was hard because it was like, you know, as AD, like you're like safety officer. And in this situation, I was kind of like, um, go to urgent care. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like they got her like a topical, like right away <laughs> and it was okay. But it was like, she wasn't on set the second day until the evening. But we had to like, it was like, I remember Aaron being like, this is my scariest day. Cause we had to move all we around had, We had town. like five company it, moves. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's calling because she wants help, you know, like we want to help her, but we're also like trying to get everyone in cars to like go to the gas station, go to the parking lot, whatever, whatever. So it was such a relief when like, she was like, got the telehealth. They give me a topical. It was like, Oh my God, thank God. So, Mm -hmm. and she's doing just fine. today. Thank God it works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
it it worked and it worked quickly which was a relief yeah um, yeah and for me the start of the shoot was very um hectic in a way as well because i was not directly involved towards the start of this shoot i was doing a lot of moving around we were working with skeleton crews so i don't think it was until like the end of the first day like that i saw like a little bit of a scene being filmed and then i had to drive back to atlanta that night the first night so i wasn't really able to be present with people um or just kind of see what was happening that day um because the following day the second day i had to pick up um, one of our actors who lives in Atlanta and needed a transportation method to and from Athens. So all of this stuff was going down and I was just, you know, driving around in my own world, like oblivious to all of the kind of <laughs> chaos that was going on. And so once I finally, like at the end of the second day or kind of start of the third day, I was like, things feel tense. I was like, what's going on guys? I was like, I don't really know what's been happening. You know, and I was just really out of the loop for a while because um, I was just kind of dealing with things behind the scenes or dealing with other, you know, working in other places than other people. Um, and then weirdly enough, after that, um, you know, chemical burn happened, um, you know, I think Aaron was shooting a scene in the main house, like in the dark where Viv is like playing guitar. And there's this big like emotional catharsis moment that happens with her. Fortunately, a lot of it's shot in the dark. So her face you know, redness wasn't a huge issue that night, which was a really, you know, lucky save that we had. But while that was happening, again, our, our hair and makeup artist, Anastasia Brady, was setting up a, like, prosthetic boil oh, on the God. arm, uh, on the arm of our other lead talent, Brent, because he's supposed to have this scene immediately following where he's scratching this big, you know, pustule boil. And I think he pops it with a knife and all this blood comes out. And, you know, Anastasia's great. She's been working on this and prepping it and practicing it for weeks on end. She's got it like down to a science, right? And so, you know, I was finally just like in the room with people like, this is going to be great. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to shoot this boil scene and it's going to be disgusting. And we're going to go home and say, all right, we're back on track. And so I'm sitting there watching her apply it to Brent, our, our, our lead actor. And he just kind of looks at me and he goes, is it supposed to like hurt my skin? And I look at Anastasia, I'm like, no, it's not supposed to hurt your skin. Is it hurting your skin? And he says, yeah, it's starting to burn a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God, you're kidding me. And I'm like, hey man, like, you know, this is an important scene, but also like, we just had one chemical burn. I need you to advocate for yourself and we will rip this thing off of you right now. Like we can't do this twice. And he kind of looks at me and he's like, yeah, I think I want to call it. So I look at Anastasia and I say, like, I'm sorry, like, we got to get that thing off of him. Like, let's wash his skin off. We'll find a solution. And so we were kind of panicking of like, we can't have two like lead actors with chemical burns all over their body. Like, what is this set? We were using the uh, spirit glue or spirit gum prosthetic adhesive. And he was like, yeah, I've had this like used before and it's never caused problems. So we're still not entirely sure what it was, if it was an allergic reaction or a mild chemical burn or what. I don't think he had ever had it on him. It was... A oh, costume designer not? who was like, yeah, like it's meant to go on the skin. But I think what Brent discovered was like he has sensitive skin and he had mm. this crazy outbreak uh, like a while ago where he had like all of these like 
hives that go all over his body. And so he was like, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's burning. And I'm having like this PTSD from this other time that I had to go to urgent care because it like was like redness, like, like all over me for like days. So like immediately we were just like, get it off, get it off. Yeah. Yeah, Right. As an actor, you know, your, your skin and your body and your face is you know, quite literally, that's your product. That is your moneymaker. That's how you do your job most of the time. So it was completely reasonable that they were kind of freaking out and we were freaking out and just trying to, you know, process and move forward. And then, you know, Anastasia got rocked off, knocked off of her mojo a little bit of, you know, she'd been prepping for this for months and we had like five minutes to try and problem solve this thing. But in that like crazy chaotic moment, and this is in the moment that it happened, I knew it was a beautiful thing. But upon reflection, I'm like, this is my go-to story now of when people say, like, why filmmaking? Like, why do you do this? Like, what keeps you going? Was in that moment, you know, if you know anything about, you know, film and the hierarchies of the departments and just how people, you know, interact, we were trying to problem solve how to properly reattach this boil. And so Anastasia's working in, you know, the art department, hair and makeup, and we're figuring things out. And then just kind of out of nowhere, our, our sound recordist and our sound mixer, Spencer, just walks up and he's like, hey, what if you use some of my, my like sound tape that I used to attach their microphones? And I was like, wow, we're watching like the sound guy and the hair and makeup artist like collaborate on some like crazy solution to get this film made. And it was just this great microcosm of teamwork and problem solving and creativity and just people, you know, dropping like, everything that they, you know, all of their, you know, pride and saying, like, let's just figure this out together. Like, it doesn't matter, like, whose department this is. It doesn't matter what your role is on this film. Like, we're all a team. We're going to get this damn thing made no matter what it takes. Um, And so that was just as chaotic as it was. It was a really cool moment of seeing a solution be found in a way to move forward, which I think, you know, we're only, like, a third of the way through all the hiccups that came up during this shoot. But I think it was moments like that that allowed us, no matter what happened, to be like, it's very stressful. We're very scared right now, but like breathe. There's a solution through this. We have a team of incredibly talented, smart, level-headed people here. Like there's a way out of this. Like we will get this thing made. There's nothing that can stop us at this point. Well, I think like what I'm hearing is a theme of resilience because I think a lot of things happened. And like you said, I don't think we're through a third of it, like broken ankles, skin burns. I heard some things about vomit. There was definitely a COVID situation. I feel like there was more broken bones and more broken ankles, but it really gets to what Scout was saying, which is like this process, as complicated as it was, as risky as it was, really helped build a team that could get through, you know, these really, really challenging moments um, with grace, even though it was really hard. I'd say the other thing that Mm -hmm. kind of really struck me about the difference between the first block and the second block is the first block, the material is about like falling in love. Like it's a meet cute. There's music, there's vibes. There's just like, it's the joyful pieces of the flashback. But then the material of this shoot was much more heavy. It was the dark moments. It was living within the addiction. It was, you know, the lies, the pus, the, scabs and the boils of that kind of material and i i want to hear from you guys like how did that feel to be on set to be in this other space and like how did you guys um move through that i mean i think we were having like a ton of fun 
every day. And then the days that, because the material was all heavy, but there were days, especially when we were at the best location, like the, um, our main location, um, where it was like definitely a lot deeper and darker of like watching the withdrawal happen versus like the day we were at like a law office and like the character is getting like an intervention, like, you know, you're not noticing it as much. Like it's a little bit easy to kind of like step outside of like the material. But like when we're in that house, when it's like super messy and like we're really watching these like actors like push themselves through and Aaron like pushing them to get to these like really, really like dark places um, that was tough. I mean, again, like I think the great thing about doing this material on the second block is smarter because you had that trust with your crew, which is like so important when you are digging into deeper material for the crew and for the actors. Cause it's hard as an actor to like totally let yourself go when like the sound guy's right there with the boom and you know, the eighties like come on. <laughs> so like that trust and respect like was really great. But I remember one of the days, I I don't know, maybe it was like day three or day four. We were at best and it was a day where like, it was definitely starting like that really like intense stuff. Intense is the word that I was searching for. <laughs> um, I kind of had just had like a top of um, shoot like meeting with everyone about like being respectful because it's so easy when you cut a take to like get to that like friendship level of like enjoyment but like as an actor because I act as well like you you if you really need to stay in it you need everyone in the room to kind of like respect like even though we're cut we're all kind of keeping an energy so that the actors can snap right back in and then Aaron shared a really um, huge story about like why this film is where it is today. And so I think that really helped everyone get into the perspective of like, we're having fun. We're having an amazing time, but let's really try to like tone it down to respect the intensity that like a writer, a director an actors and everyone has to go through like on a day where, you know, it's more intense. Erin, how was that for you? I mean, how was it to like watch it play out and almost relive some moments? Well, I, it was, uh, that the personal side was like really strange because, uh, when I'm sort of locked in on into like director mode and sort of just really thinking about the actors, what do they need right now? Um, how are they handling the material? How are they like grasping the through line of a scene? Um, I don't really, I, that's, that's a space where there's, I don't get particularly reflective sometimes, um, though, you know, things would be happening and like, I would get hit with a sort of, you know, a moment or, uh, an actor would do something that like really reminded me about a moment in my own past that, um, would, would be a little tough to handle. Um, but, you know, like the other, I will say sort of like the over, uh, one of the things about the overall vibe and th something that's really important to me is that like the thing that bothered me the most when I, so when I was getting sober and I was watching every movie I could find about addiction to just try to like put words to my own story 
because I was turning to movies for like a language of what I had just experienced. The biggest problem that I had with almost every movie that I watched was that it was, they were not funny. They were not funny enough. It was too serious and like too, like it was like too emotional. Um, and so even way back then before I, you know, back when just like the little tiny seeds were being planted in my brain of like, I would like to make a movie about addiction one day. Um, my goal, like even then I would say my goal was like to try to like always contrast like the heaviness with like, with something absurd, um, because addiction is filled with absurdity, um, and, and filled with like a very, very dark humor, uh, that like I find really entertaining. And so I hope that this script and the story is imbued with some of that. And I was really, uh, I felt the, the, the affirmation that I felt from that came from, you know, watching actors move through a scene that like hopefully had both. And I think that that kind of dynamic, like gave a little bit of levity to like the whole production. And so that, you know, when we were in serious quote unquote moments, it wasn't just about like, Hey crew, like you guys need to quit cutting up and like, you need to get really serious because this is serious stuff, you know, take it seriously. You know, instead it was like, Hey, let's just like hold some space like for each other here. And like, I prom, you know, and everyone kind of knew that, like, don't worry, like, a joke is coming. And I, I yeah. you know, and I thought that, like, <laughs> the crew, like, understood that dynamic, like, really well. The, the, the cast understood that dynamic really well. I mean, Brent and Millie, they're, fuck, they were fucking beasts. They would be, like, rolling on mm. the ground, like, mm -hmm. sobbing in tears one second and then, like, making a fart joke, like, like five minutes later and then like going back into some sort of like you know rot emotional state they were kind of surfing they were really riding the waves like really impressive impressively and that that was something i i i wasn't sure that they could do i mean that's it's not a state that you can really push someone to in rehearsal um it would be kind of cruel to like try to push someone to that state in rehearsal i think it's really only a state you can yeah. enter into like when the cameras are on or when the curtains open and i was really blown away with yeah. their adaptability to 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 master those dynamics and then number two their stamina to maintain it hour after hour day after day um uh, just really really impressive across the board I think one thing that I guess some acting teacher may have told you before is that comedy is the relentless pursuit of an objective. And I can't imagine something that fits that better than addiction, <laughs> just the relentless pursuit of something. It's a shameless pursuit. The, it's a, the, oh, sh the shameless <laughs> pursuit, of, relentless pursuit of an objective. I don't know if always delivers the comedy, but when, <laughs> when, a, when a character or a human, just a human lacks shame, in their pursuit of an objective, mm -hmm. it instantly shifts over into comedy. Um, and yes, you're right. Absolutely right. That is the definition of a junkie. Also like definition of lots of, lots of, lots of other people just to throw that out there. So I want to take a yeah. second and like hear about like when you reflect back, what is the most challenging lesson you learned and what are the moments that y'all are the most proud of? Um, I actually told Aaron this a few days ago on the phone. We just kind of had a brief 20, 30 minute debrief because we really haven't talked up until now too much um, after rap. Um, but it was the very last day of the shoot. I was sitting with um, one of our actors. Um, his name is uh, Alan Rowell, 
who plays the, the doctor character who kind of, you know, ushers our two leads into this journey of like, hey, there's a way out. But in order to get there, you know, you have to go 12 hours or however long it is for me to prescribe you this medicine that will get rid of your symptoms. And then, you know, at the end of the film, he sort of return, uh, re returns, um, gives them med the medicine and says, you know, you can go off to your own world and it is what you make of it now. And I was just having a conversation with him in the um, doctor's office location set that we were at. Um, and we were just talking about indie filmmaking and what that looks like and, you know, how crazy it is to be doing this right now and all of that. And he just kind of looked at me and said, have you guys made all of your days? And I stopped and thought like, yeah, we, we, we have actually, as in like, you know, we've never really gone into serious overtime. We've shot everything we needed to shoot in a day um, over two shoot periods where people could have dropped out or a hundred things could have gone wrong and a hundred things did go wrong. And I just kind of thought like, yeah, we did make all of our days. No scenes were cut. We didn't lose a single scene. We might've lost a few shots or some coverage of certain scenes, um, but we made all of our days on time. We didn't lose any narrative story or like creative elements like that. We didn't have to sacrifice that much. There was hard decisions that were made, but nothing really got lost. And then on top of that, for the most part, we worked within 10 hour days. Standard film days are 12 hours. Um, given our limited budget, um, our general lack of, you know, being able to transport people back and forth. One of our original kind of bargaining tools to hire people was we're going to aim for 10 hour days. And then we kind of weaseled around that a little bit and tried to squeeze some things where we could. But by and large, we made all of our days in 10 hours in a tiny budget. Um, and I think it kind of hit me at the very end of the shoot. Like that's when I realized like we did something not only unorthodox, but like something that's crazy, something that most people would say, there's no way you're not going to make it. You're going to cut 10 scenes. You're going to lose five pages every day. You're going to go into eight hours of overtime. And then I kind of realized we never did that. But I think that also is my answer to the second part of your question is what was the hardest challenge is finding a way to cram all of that into 10 hour days, trying to privilege what needed to be privileged and when to ask for a grace period to go to 10 and a half or 11 hours, or there was, you know, two nights that we had some serious conversations with people and said, Hey, we're going to go to 12. We know this isn't like what we had really negotiated for. Like, we're just trying to get this thing across the finish line and this is what needs to happen to make it happen. And people worked with us. So I think that was probably for me, the hardest part more in reflection was just realizing the totality of what went into getting this piece done in such a unique way. I love that. What about you, Scout? Um, okay, so the first thing is like what I'm most proud of, right? Um, I'm really proud of everyone connecting on this set and like everyone finding like friendship and like excitement to come to set every day. And I, I just did I, – when I had to leave set because I got COVID, I was crying so much because I was like telling my girlfriend, I was like, I'm so, so proud of myself. So I'm so frustrated that I can't finish what I am like really proud of like what I was able to accomplish. So yeah, I mean, what Jonathan was saying, like I'm, I was just really proud that we did make our days happen and I didn't become the AD that was like stressed out yelling at everyone all the time. Cause that's like the stereotype of the job. 
but I, I want to be able to have fun just as much as everyone else. I don't want to be able to like, or I don't want to have to go and be like, you know, we got to go, go, go. And I think at some moments, like, um, on the first block of the shoot, I was like, I was looking back and I was like, man, I should have spread us along more at this moment or whatever. But by the second half of the shoot, like I had a lot of trust in Aaron and like our flow with each other where like, I could just look at him and give him a time check and he'd be like, okay, okay, I'm going, I'm going. So I was, I was proud of like the personal connections that we all made to make the shoot happen. Um, I would say my biggest challenge, like personally was, was probably like setting like hard boundaries for myself. I'm like a person who like, if I could do it all, I would. And the funny thing about film is like, everyone is really, really stuck. Any film set that I've ever been on, and I guess the way it should be is like, your role is your role. Like, if I were to take a makeup brush out of Anastasia's hands, like, that would be like, what the heck are you doing? Unless Anastasia let me take a makeup brush out of her hand, you know? Like, it's like your role is your role. And I think sometimes I got caught up a little bit in doing things that maybe weren't necessarily my role, but I was like... I'm such like type A Capricorn. So I'm like, it has to get done. It has to get done now. So I'm just going to do it. And I think at some points I maybe put like too much on my plate in a way, but that's like me also just as a person. And I need to find a way to like find that balance, like on set um, and learn to communicate and tell people to do things. Because as an AD, it is my job sometimes to tell someone what to do, but I'm also a people pleaser and I want everyone to like me. So I think it was like finding that balance and that was definitely a challenge as we all got closer. I didn't want to be that like telling you what to do situation, which is just the job of an AD sometimes. So it's an incredible balance and I love, love, love it. (laughs) I got to say though, Scout, like all that tension internally that you just described, I've described you as like, you're an AD that was like made in a lab because... Like and like and I mean like you can do lots of other stuff great too but just like specifically for this role your ability to be on top of everything be thinking five steps ahead doing all that stuff that an AD should do hold all that information in your brain but then whether whether you call it people pleasing I'll just call it improvising skills uh you know you then like communicated everything with like a joke and a smile and like your presence was like so critical like it was so critical to that friend to the friendliness that we had on set to like the fact that we really like it really did cross a boundary at some point to where we like we had a little film family and like you hear that phrase like yeah. thrown around a lot Absolutely. but it is not guaranteed you know, it, like that's not easy to make. And I think your ability to keep the train on the tracks, but to communicate it in such a, in just such a open manner, it makes people, it makes people want to get their 10 minute job done in five, like because of the way that you <laughs> communicate it. And like, I just think it's, I, I just thought it was amazing. And there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't like, God, I'm so glad we, interviewed her in that weird beach uh <laughs> that beach hotel room <laughs> I love it I had a rule I was like because I'm I can be such a workaholic and that trip I was like I'm not gonna do any work I have like my co-producer 
Um, she, I would text her about things with our production company. She'd be like, what are you doing? Why aren't you on the beach? Whatever. And then I was like, well, this could be a really cool opportunity. So I'm going to do it, whatever. And of course, like if there's, you know, a job opportunity, that's when you break your rule a little bit. Um, but I'm so glad I did. And, and I will say like, I wasn't like fully, I was not high stress all the time like that. But if I had to say a challenge because it was such a fun set, there were probably a couple pocket moments where I could have delegated better, which is in my day to day as well. So, um, because yeah, overall, like, yes, there were um, many, many challenges on this set, but like all the friendships and positivity and like creative efforts, um, and success, like outweigh it, like by like a million to one. So it's honestly like, yeah, I left, I got COVID that sucked. I cried. I was anxious, but like, I barely even remember that because I'm just remembering like laughing with Emily on the couch as we were like eating Doritos and Jackson thought I was drunk. And I was like, nah, baby, I'm just drunk on life (laughs) (laughs) and crew life. You know, like it was just so much fun. It was so fun. (laughs) I do want to hear from Aaron, but one question I have for the people that stayed in the house is what's a memory from the house that like you're going to take forward from the like, I feel like it was the spot. It was the spot behind the scenes. It was a spot a little. It, I mean, I, the boys stayed up way later than I <laughs> ever could. But I just remember like Jonathan and I stayed in an Airbnb with a couple other people. And then the boys Airbnb was like the Airbnb that we'd like pop over to. Sorry, VRBO. I don't want to miss Brent. <laughs> and I just remember like getting home, taking a shower, like getting in my PJs and running over. And like Lex and Spencer were always cooking something for someone. Like you'd come into the house and like they would be cooking. Nadir would have a little drink ready for me like to decompress. And we would just like bit, like bit after bit, joke after joke, like delusional. I would say the first one of the first nights um, where it was like a really, really late night or whatever, it we were just like, or maybe, no, it was the second one. We were just like bit, 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 like crying, laughing, like eating the pizza from the pizza day. Like it was just like those moments where we're like delusionally tired, but we wanted to stay up just like a little bit longer to like giggle. It was total, I love saying this on set. I love sleepover mode. Like when you're with a crew and everyone's like, you have to stay up because you literally have to stay up. But we were just so sleepover mode. And we did watch the first block. We had a movie day and we watched School of Rock. And then the second block, we watched Robots. Is that what it's called, Jonathan? Robots. Yeah. From like 2005, 2006. Yeah. And just like cracking up, like making jokes. Like one of the robots would do something and we'd be like, that's so Aaron. That's so Aaron. (laughs) And then another one, but we'd like, that's Scout, that's Scout, that's Scout. Like, just like, like, it was so silly. Like, everything was about the group that we created. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I loved the Airbnbs. Verbos. Verbos? Verbos. 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 Yeah. Erin, yeah. uh, let's hear from you. Challenge, proud, what's going on there? Well, I I mean, the, uh, proud, uh, oh, I, in the same way that sort of like, you know, whenever you ask somebody about what are they most grateful for, like it's always comes back to the people. And I'm just like so proud of the work that everybody did. I'm so proud of Jonathan. When we got together 
uh, you know, back in February and I pitched him on this project and, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll go through your life and have tons and tons of these types of meetings and you never know what's going to come of them. Um, and watching Jonathan, I mean, watching Jonathan like make this movie happen, uh, it was just, it, it inspired me to keep going. Um, you know, uh, you know, watching Scout like come into her own like in this role and like uh, you know watching. I I think that for Scout, I mean, the biggest thing was the way that you. I know I had my little like talks about complacency like in the interim between the two shoots, but watching you being like, no, we're gonna have a meeting like every Monday, um, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, did, you know, having our <laughs> having our weekly meetings and like planning, you know, starting to like crack the schedule like months in advance and like all this sort mm-hmm. of stuff and. I mean, it, those were those were the. I mean, the actors, uh, Brent, Millie, and um, and Jeannie, and uh, and Orlin, and all all these all these actors that came together, watching their work. Um, obviously, Brent and Millie, you know, I rehearsed with every week for like six months. Uh, so to see it all come together for them, to see them push themselves to new levels, um, was really, really, really incredibly moving. So. I think the the pride just comes from watching so many people push themselves and grow. And, you know, because I knew that I was also doing the same myself, but it's a little harder to reflect uh, and, and be able to see that in the moment and it's easier to see in others. Um, so that's the thing that like really comes to mind as far as the challenge goes though. Um, I, I think I probably would have said a lot of different things like in the moment, um, but when I look back, I think the biggest challenge for me is that I lacked faith in moments of difficulty. Mm. Like when, like we kind of, uh, we sort of talked around it all, all, all the interview, but like when we had a COVID exposure on set, we had to shut our set down and like test everyone and kind of like figure out like, what do we do? What's the right way forward? Uh, what's the safest way forward? Um, uh, you know, like I was go, my brain was going to like dark places, not, and it wasn't like on purpose, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to sit here and like spiral out of control. But I was starting to think like, oh my God, everyone's going to get COVID and this set is going to shut down. And like, I won't be able to afford to like finish this movie. Like we're right here on the finish line. We had like four days left, you know, we're here on the finish line and like, this is all going to fall apart. And um, instead of, like there wasn't a positive, you could not have convinced me that a positive outcome was possible in that moment. I just, it was just all negative and just positive. Just positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Um, yeah. And for the crew member who like, who did test positive that day, like I, I wasn't emotionally available to what they were going through. You know, I, I've since, you know, mm-hmm. I had, it wasn't until the shoot was over that I was able to text them and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm really sorry, f- you know, for the way that I handled that. But like, that's, you know, that's, that's messed up. I was just thinking about myself. I was just thinking about, uh, how things could go wrong or how things were going wrong instead of mm-hmm. focusing on the faith of how things could go right and how we might get through this. Uh, same thing with all the other sort of like injury stuff that we talked about, the skin reactions. Like again, like my brain just went to like negative spaces, and uh, I have a friend who always like you know uh, uh, quotes the Big Lebowski at me in these moments. He's like, "That's just the stress. That's just the stress talking, man." Um, 
and and, and you know, I, here's the other thing. I have a preconceived notion in my head that like once I am quote unquote successful, once I have reached a level of success where I can deem myself successful, then I will have faith that everything will come to come together because that, at that point I've like satisfied mm-hmm. my own ego enough to not be afraid of things always falling apart. But I think that that in and of itself is kind of a trap, right? It's like, oh, if I just had X, Y, Z, then I wouldn't be a dick, right? And that's not like how the world works. And so I think that, yeah, biggest challenge for me is faith and, um, uh, and how to navigate challenges without jumping to the darkest possibility and knowing that like you can start doing that today. Like you don't have to have an Oscar to like, you know, trust that everything's going to work out. I think that's interesting, Aaron, you're talking a lot about like having trust and having faith in these moments and stuff. And one of the things that I've always found really admirable about uh, admirable about you and your work ethic is the way that you have trusted so many people to come into this space and to come into your world and help you build it. Um, You know, we met, you kind of just, we had a few social interactions, a few, you know, online interactions, nothing like professional, nothing artistic. And then you just kind of extended this very large part of your world to me. And then we kept doing that with so many other people. Like you mentioned, Leanne had never been on a set before and we just kind of offered a large you know, crew role and a, you know, cast role to her. And we kind of reached out to Scout saying this was her first time ADing a a large picture, a feature film. Um, So I think it's interesting how you've been able to already give so much of your trust to people. And then I think, um, and this, this definitely goes to you, but it goes to anybody else in those positions is once you've trusted people, you know, we're all in this together. This film family that we're talking about is we put so much, trust into that work ahead of time that when these like hard moments came around like were people scared were people frustrated were people like a little angry or antsy yes but i think everyone was just so committed to the project and to the vision and to each other that i think we all kind of knew like there's going to be a way out of it even if we don't see it yet like there's a light somewhere it's amorphous it's blobby it's confusing but we'll find that light we'll find that tunnel one way or another um that's just kind of my my perspective on, you know, you you as a filmmaker and you know you as a leader, you as a director. I think that you already have that trust within you. So, well, y'all, it's been a crazy journey. For other fans of the podcast, we've heard how Aaron initially started writing the script, how you guys kind of came together and really applied this value of casting the crew, how everybody came together, and despite so many obstacles, like burns and COVID and more burns and more COVID. You guys made it through and are really just kind of looking back on this process with this incredible group of people, people. And I can feel your gratitude and your love um, for each other through this conversation. I have two last questions for you. The first one is, how has this process changed you? Like what part of you has forever changed after going through this and what are you going to be bring forward? And then the second and final question I have for you guys is pretend I'm a young filmmaker. What advice do you have for me? Oh my God. I love it. Okay. I'll start <laughs> us off strong. Do it. Do it. Um, so what has changed me? I, I just feel a lot more confident on like, if you are interested in a role 
on set, like, I guess this is also tying into the last question, but like, if you're interested in something, go for it. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to put yourself in a situation. Like I definitely was like very much dabbling, dabbling, dibbling my little toes <laughs> in ADing. And now <laughs> I love talking about my little toes. Um, and now I feel, now I feel like I have the confidence to like continue on this like job opportunity um, I love acting, but I also love – you might see a little cameo of me in the film. <laughs> um, but I also love, like, being on the crew side. And so, like, for a young filmmaker, I would say don't be afraid to look at um, a story or a job on set or um, just, like, anything that you want to do with your passion project and, like, shy away from it. Like people want to help you make it. People want to learn together. Um, and this crew is a testament to that. Like we all wanted to get together to make this happen. And so it's like, don't be afraid to like find your community of people to help you do that. Um, and I would just say, I have like confidence to like take on anything now with the right people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think what's changed the most is, you know, there was never a time that I thought that we wouldn't finish this project, but to what, you know, level of quality and how happy we'd be with the project, you know, there was definitely moments where I thought like, oh, well, we're just going to cross the finish line and that's going to be it. Um, But as we kind of just kept going through it and kept, you know, finding new ways around obstacles and hitting new artistic peaks and finding new ways to, you know, just do whatever. I think I've just kind of realized like we shouldn't sell ourselves short. Like, yeah, you can tell yourself like, oh, we'll get through this. We'll finish this. Like we'll have a product, but, like shoot for the stars. Like I think we did. And I think in so many angles, like we, that paid off in spades for us. There's, there's a lot of things that we could have cheaped out on or thought like, oh, well, we don't need that. Or, oh, we'll find a way to, you know, go around this. And we never really did that. We kind of put our heads together and worked as a team and called in a lot of favors and called on a lot of friends and called on a lot of talented artists and found a way to maximize what I think this project can be. Um, And I think to that point, my advice to a younger filmmaker or a new filmmaker um, is just put yourself in spaces where you can find interesting and passionate people, Um, passionate about filmmaking, passionate about stories, that's how so much of this came together is Aaron and I were just in the same spaces that we were in when we met each other. Um, most of the the crew were people that I was either friends with or I had met on other sets or met at film mixers and networking events. And I thought these are interesting people. They're passionate about what they do. You know, they want to do this. They're so hungry. It wasn't like, oh God, like, I don't know someone who can do hair and makeup, but we had like four people that we could have called on if something went wrong, because there's just a wealth of people out there that want to do this. So I would say, just put yourself out there and be where the interesting people are. And these projects will just start to come together naturally. Cause you know, if we're not making something, we're, we're pretty bored and we're not doing anything. So we want to be working together. We want to be building a team. I love that. I think for me, uh, I, the way I've changed is, um, this film was a proof of concept for a way that I, um, have always thought that I would want to work. Um, I always have admired, um, filmmakers who have like emphasized rehearsal, 
um, and building stories around actors. Uh, I'll like, I talk a lot about Mike Lee, uh, the British filmmaker, uh, known for his like long prep processes. But until this project, it was really just a proof of concept. Or like, it was just a theory, you know, it was just theoretical as far as like, is this a way that I like to work, um, could work? Uh, will it even have results, you know? Um, getting a couple actors like, you know, trap trapping them in a room for three hours every week, you know, could have negative results. I mean, I, I, I you know, potentially. Um, so this really was a proof of concept for me. It changed me in the fact that like going forward, I now know sort of, I, I have a tang- tangible evidence of what my working ideal is for how to craft a story. Um, I no longer am interested in like cracking a perfect script, like in the drafting process or even necessarily it. Like I had fantasies about like, if I could just write like a perfectly tight script and like send it to Austin film fest and like, I could win the Austin film festival script competition. Like I had that fantasy, (laughs) but, um, uh, and like my ego is still tied up in some of those things, but I, this has given me the working, um, knowledge that like that that's not necessarily the way to get your movie made and i don't think Mm -hmm. and also like there were so many benefits to like having a story structure but then just jumping in with the actors and like letting that collaborative process like dictate the story to you i don't think i will uh ever if i as long as i have the power of control i don't think i would ever want to work another way and so that I think is like a pretty big change because you, I didn't really know if that was true or not until I did it, you know, and, and we did, we just did it. Um, so that's like pretty awesome. And, um, I, for to a young filmmaker, um, I, I mean, honestly, I just, <laughs> I'd say buckle up cause like this, <laughs> like, and it might take a long time. Like I did not think that mm-hmm. I was going to be finishing my first feature film at 34. If you had told me mm-hmm. at 24 that that was the situation, I'd be like, damn, I'm a failure. And I like still like hold those narratives in my head and they, and like in an unhealthy way. But I would just say like, you know, if you're not in this for the long haul and if you can't learn how to love the process of it, with all its starts and stops and the, and the roads along the maze that, you know, maybe hit a dead end or it just feels like a dead end, even though it's like not really, but like you're, you're, you know, that it's just, it's hard. It's fucking hard. And I think that's what this, like this podcast series kind of turned into as I like opened it up to more independent artists was like really sort of trying to, you know, just ask other people who are walking this path of like, how do you do it? How do you wake up in the morning? How do you wake up every morning and like will yourself to keep going? Cause it's, it's hard. It's hard. And as you get older, I think it, it, it gets harder. Um, so I guess I would just say like, you know, you've got to, you've got to learn how to love the process and not the results. And that's been a big mantra for me, especially in this week of coming mm-hmm. offset. Um, you know, and, and trying not to like, even think about the results of what we did, but remembering the process, remember the feeling, remember the community that we built and, um, and just staying in the moment in that way. Thank you all for sharing 
all of this, I want to say as Aaron's number one fan and wife, <laughs> thank you. To, <laughs> thank you to everybody. I'm so grateful for the team that came together to make this project happen. I'm really grateful for everybody that's listening and engaged for hearing how it's happening and for every step along the way. And I just, um, I'm just filled with gratitude because both as number one fan and as wife and as doctor, I just, I know how important this story is even more so than its personal importance to me. I'm just so grateful that it's coming into this world and I'm grateful to everybody here who has helped shepherd it along its way. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I think we're about to wrap up, but I want to give you guys a chance. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on today? Um, I would like it to be known that Aaron's nickname on set, though he didn't like it, everybody called him dad. And you don't get to choose your nickname. <laughs> but I know that the entire crew will appreciate and really enjoyed calling dad, dad. <laughs> he is the very best of dads. He hated it so much. And we would like, sorry, dad. I mean, dad. I mean, dad. I mean, the entire <laughs> crew like really latched onto that one. And you got to love a nickname. And I think the fans of Behind the Slate need to know that. Thank mm. you. So fair. So fair. <laughs> oh, man. That may, I'm I'm like I'm getting sweaty just like here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I oh know no, why. classic dad. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, I'm I. You know, I I would I would hear it. I would cringe, but then I would tell myself I was like I'm I'd rather that than being like God that fucking asshole that's just like snapping at me uh i'd rather yeah. i'd rather be an angry dad than a just a dick director so uh i'll take it it's with love the crew yeah. called me mom and i made it very clear i'm a separate mother to my children and he's just like a dad down the street but nicknames are fun i love a little onset nickname i mean i don't even have words I think it's so perfect. You know, Aaron also really resents the title of having dad jokes, which is a separate conversation for another time. But good to know. Because mm. once you have a kid, that. you can't make a joke anymore without it. Like, just you could just call any joke a dad joke. Sure. Blame your kid. <laughs> Blame your kid. Oh, coward. <laughs> Well, Aaron, Jonathan, Scout, thank you so much for joining me today on Behind the Slate. Where can people follow you and find out more about your work? Uh, I guess my main main uh, socials are probably just Instagram at JonathanWalls23. Same for Letterboxd if you want to see some goofy, wacky, nerdy film reviews. Follow my Instagram, ScoutSmith underscore underscore. And also follow my production page. Get your cat on productions on Instagram as well. What about you, Aaron? Where can we find you? Oh, you know where to find me. You can find you can follow me on Instagram at behind the slate. You can also follow me on Instagram at stranded on stage. You can email us uh, behind the slate pod at gmail.com. Oh God, wait, is my Instagram handle at behind the slate pod? It is. I misspoke. I miss. I misspoke. You know what? Oh. Don't worry. Don't worry. Wow. I've got I, the sign out. I blew my own plug. Shub, save me. It's okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
First of all, for those of you that want to follow Jonathan and Scout, we'll have their tags in our show notes. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Behind the Slate Pod. You can email Aaron all your questions, comments at BehindTheSlatePod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review. Hit the five star. It really helps Aaron out. And until next time, that's a wrap.